to the latest edition of the Auto Bowl presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Bruce Feldman, joined as always by my colleague Stuart Mandel. Stu, it is that one time a year where you and I have dueling columns where you look like an idiot. I try to get you to explain yourself. So let's get into the top 25 coaches. But before we do that, there is a little breaking news right as we're about to tape this out of the SEC. Why don't you fill us in? Yeah, so right as we were coming on to tape, this word gets out that George Pickens, Georgia's star receiver, who would I would imagine would be a, a first, at least first team of all SEC and, and maybe all American uh, preseason receiver, tore his ACL in practice this week. It's uh, you know it's spring practice time, and unfortunately, that means we're going to see some injuries. But that's a big one um, at a position where I feel like Georgia was just starting to get a little bit better at last year and find some guys around him, but he's, he's the guy. So uh, we'll see. I mean, we are seeing that players who tear their ACLs, like I don't think that means he's necessarily lost for the season, but I it's, it's going to be a tight crunch. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, Stu, uh, let's get into this now. So I, uh, we're taping this Wednesday morning yesterday. You and I both had our top 25 columns out um, you have issues with me. I have issues with you. Let's get into it. Well, and then the readers, I have to say, have issues with you, my friend. And uh, we are going to get into it. And for people who don't know what we're talking about, um, well, first of all, I've been doing these, you know, about once a year, uh, check in on the state of, of coaches around the country and rank my top 25. It changes from year to year. And, and, uh, these, so do you have, so for the listeners and readers know, is this a year where you hate Kirk Ferentz or when you like him? Cause I feel <laughs> like you, you go back and forth on this. Uh, he made his debut last year and, and he's staying on there. Um, so you never, even in the SI.com days, you wouldn't have him on there. I don't know that I was doing a top 25 that far back. The, the whole Kirk Ferentz controversy started when I had him on a worst coaches list uh, way back. I mean, it's eight years or so ago now when he had that four and eight season. Um, but I do want to note that. So the reason you do one now, and I believe your first one was last year was was because it would come up on the podcast all the time. You were always critiquing my coaches list. So I said, you should do one. And, uh, we should note to the listeners that if you want to read those and you're not a subscriber yet, this is a perfect time because the athletic is doing a, uh, the best promo I can remember a dollar a month, for six months, a dollar, one dollar a month. Uh, use our code. Go to theathletic.com slash the audible to get that deal. Um, all right. Let's start with a guy who we actually agree on. But I think the cause, at least for me, caused the most, uh, cr- you know, critiques, backlash, whatever you want to say. We both have. So obviously we know who the top two are, Saban, Dabo. And then we both have Brian Kelly, number three. And I think just because he's the coach at Notre Dame, and because they've gotten blown out in the postseason, you immediately get a whole bunch of uh, that's crazy. How could you possibly have that guy ranked number that high? And I mean, I will say that I played around quite a bit with that number three spot between three guys, him, Lincoln Riley and 
our newcomer this year, Ryan Day, who's now eligible because he's coaching. Let's get to Ryan years. Day in a, in a separate yeah. way. But I, I do come. think that it's hard to, I mean, the, the you know, I'm a big thing for me is, is judging guys based on where that program was before they got there. And Notre Dame football went through the 25 years of just total mediocrity. And now they've reached a point where they're a 10, 11 win team every year. They have been for the last five years or last four years. And they've been in the playoff two of the last three years. Um, they ended Clemson's, they handed Clemson their first regular season loss in three years last year. So uh, I think that he's going to get dinged because he's the coach at Notre Dame. And, and because of that, because people just assume Notre Dame's overrated. But really for the first time in my time covering the first, they're really not overrated. Like this is where they've arrived to. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Mine was a tepid spot at number three. I could see the pushback on it. Um, you know, I will I will say this, and this goes for the whole thing. It's like when I do this list, it's like, can I defend it is basically how I kind of view these positions. And there's some that are stronger than others. I just felt like, and and I'll get into the Ryan Day thing here, right up here. But, um, you know, if it came down to me, to Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly, I did take what, you know, kind of the prism you take um, in terms of what were they before. And so this is where this is going to be related to Lincoln as well as Ryan Day is uh, Lincoln Riley took over for Bob Stoops. The program was still in a very good spot. Um, they had been, I think, in the top 15 and in the top 10, three of the four years before he got there. He's, he has made it better. He's a brilliant offensive coach, all those things. Uh, they haven't gotten really that close to a national title. They've been in playoffs so against Georgia. They gave them a really good game, but they didn't obviously win that game. Um, Ryan Day to me, who I think has been very impressive to me, the people who are saying Ryan Day needs to be top three are either big homers or just they're getting so far. Ahead. Like it after the more we did this, the more I was like, I'm not sure we should even have Ryan Day on here yet. Just I'm not saying he doesn't belong in the top 25. But he's only been there two years. He's done a really impressive job in two years. But he also took over for Urban Meyer, where the program was in, was in as good a shape as any job anybody has taken over for. They, in the previous four years, Ohio State had not finished worse than sixth, and in that previous four years had won a national title. The recruiting was really at a high level. By the way, he also just – I mean, he was smart to do this, but he kept Mickey Marotti and he kept the recruiting – uh, side and he kept a bunch of the top assistants. So it's hard to get a great feel for um, exactly what his fingerprints are going to be. It's not to say he's not a really good coach, but to take over for Urban Meyer in the state of the program is not what we're talking about for a lot of the other guys. It definitely isn't what what Matt Campbell took over. And I know I'm going to get a lot of a lot of shit about James Franklin, but there aren't guys on this list who have done anything close to what he did at Vanderbilt. And you want, you said yourself a couple of minutes ago, it's what they did, you know, what, what the kind of shape the program was in. Uh, Vandy hadn't been in the top 25 in 60 years. And after James Franklin left, they have been horrible again. When he took over Penn state, I don't know how many people remember this, but that program, yeah, there was a, uh, there was a good season under Christian Hackenberg, 
But there was a lot of dysfunction in there in and around the athletic program. And the reputation of the program at that point was pretty toxic for recruits and for a lot of people. You weren't getting for every uh, Adam Brenneman and Christian Hackenberg. There were a lot of other kids who were not going to want to touch Penn State. And he had them win a Big Ten title in year three. So I think that looking at Ryan Day through that prism to me is a little tougher sell. But getting back to Brian Kelly, look, I think he has evolved in the job, right? He had that clunker of a year where he went four and eight uh, four years ago, and he made some some good hires. And I think he's made continue to make some good hires. I, I think the Marcus Freeman hire uh, and the defensive side of the ball will, will prove to be a really shrewd one. Now, I think you wrote about this maybe in your mailbag, and it wasn't in your top 25, is that recruiting-wise, he is going into a different landscape than what Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban do, where he is based in the country, uh, some of the academic challenges, not just of, of what they take, because if you talk to a lot, enough people who've worked at Notre Dame, I think the harder part is keeping kids in school, not necessarily getting them there. So those are challenges, though. And he has done a really, really good job. So I don't think, you know, I can see people nitpicking with him being number three. But the other to me, the other guys that you're going to make a case for um, probably have as, you know, significantly more or at least a little more um, issues for that spot as well. Okay, so you brought up several names there. Um, in terms of Brian Kelly, I think if if you're going to harp on either they get they get there and they get blown out by Clemson in the two years ago and the play, they get blown out by Alabama. If that's your standard, I mean, no, nobody else on this list is regularly beating Clemson in Alabama, right? I mean, Lincoln Riley has gotten who I have number four, and I feel completely comfortable having him at number four. I mean, the guy is you know four for four Big Twelve titles, uh, you know made the playoff the first three years and barely missed this year. Um, he's gotten blown out in the, I mean, he suffered the worst uh, playoff loss. I think anybody's had in that LSU game where they were down what 49 to yeah, seven. They could have lost that time. game by 70 points. I yeah, mean, I was like Ryan day just got blown who I have number five, just got blown out in the national championship game to Alabama. Like if Alabama Clemson is your, is your bar, we might as well just end the list after two. Uh or we should bring back Gus Malzahn, right, who just got fired and is not – I don't think either of us even considered him for the top 25, but at least he's beaten Nick Saban three times. So you got to look – you got to keep the whole bigger picture in mind. Um, Ryan Day, that was a hard one. Um, I mean, do you agree a- with me that it's too soon to put him, like, that high up? I mean, it's two years and you re- you took over for Urban Meyer. Well, I would say it, it was hard because – I mean, Ohio State is one of those jobs that's just hard to screw up. Um, so it, it's always tough on these lists comparing, like, it's easy to say, and we'll get to maybe some of these guys later, but it's easy to look at Matt Campbell and go, that's a great coaching job, right? Like mm-hmm. that guy just had just led Iowa state to a top 10 season. It's harder when it's Ohio state because pretty much every coach that's come through there in the last 30 years has had success, but I will to Ryan day's credit and defense. It is not exactly urban Myers program anymore. He hired his own guys. I mean, I think that Jeff halfway hire last year was a great hire. Mm-hmm. He's, he's Justin Fe- urban. How I had nothing to do with Justin Fields. That's all Ryan day. And I also just want to say that, I mean, throughout this, you're looking at guys who handled COVID in different ways. And I mean, let, let's, first of all, let's give him credit. He's a big reason why the big 10 came back and played as soon as it did. He really pushed for it. 
he was able to keep Justin Fields and Sean Wade and these guys from opting out, right? He kept them bought in and believing that they were going to actually play. And, and then the season happened and they had some, they had it pretty bad. They had some, they had a bad outbreak and, and they still ended up in the national title game. So I do think he's a really good coach, but I do think that who knows two years from now, he might, as he, as he gets distanced from urban, he might not be going to the playoff every year. Who knows? So um, the one that I think you have two on your list that I'm going to just bluntly say are insane. And, and I, I've been a big supporter of James Franklin. I mean, I had him number seven you last year. 17th Stu. Yeah. I, I had him number like, seven last year I, for, for all the reasons you said, I mean, he, you have him 17. Well, did you watch Penn State? Last it was year? a pandemic, Stu. Like you, you it was also, a pandemic way, for everybody on this list. Yeah. Also, you know, look, look, you have your your star running back for medical career is over right before the season. The best defensive player in the Big Ten opts out. I mean, look, I'm not saying that it's a complete like it was a bad year, but also like the year before, they weren't bad. They were actually you know, pretty good like, the year before. They won 11 I games. I know. They won 11 games. And you put him down at 17. If you don't think that what he did at Vanderbilt was not one of the best coaching jobs anybody's done in college football the last 25 years, you're kidding yourselves. Now, if you want to think he's, he's not a great game manager, you can say that. You can say that about a lot of coaches. You're a number six guy, by the way, Kirby Smart. And I'm not saying he's not a top 10 coach, but – you could t- definitely take issues with Kirby Smart as a game manager. He's number six. And he took over Georgia, which was in better shape than, by the way, Penn State was. Um, so, you know, like, here's my my issue. Because, look, I, I feel like if you had had James Franklin eight or nine or ten, I'd be like, eh. I mean, anything beyond ten to me seems kind of crazy. But, um, you know, you, you have him behind Luke Fickle. And Luke Fickle's a really good coach. But Luke Fickle's at Cincinnati, where pretty much everybody who's been there has won big. Like timeout, timeout. Brian Kelly won. No, 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 not timeout. You're telling Brian. me you're you're insinuating that Cincinnati is like Ohio State. No, like, I'm not. But it's in it's it's one of the best AAC jobs. Brian Kelly won big there. Brian Kelly had a top five season, right? Uh, you have that was a long time ago. All right, so Mark D'Antonio won there. You know who else won there? Butch Jones won like 19 games his last two years. Tommy there. Tuberville left that thing a heaping mess. All right, well that's Tommy and Luke Tuberville. Fickle turned it into the best. Luke this Fickle past did year, a good the best job. group of five know, program in the country. Luke Fickle six spots ahead of James Franklin. Okay, so there is. I I will and note. You're also the same guy who said it was hard to screw up Ohio State. What did Luke Fickle do at Ohio State? <laughs> that's that's cold that's harsh no i'm I, that is harsh my list i'm saying like is luke fickle's fault no. that they suspended terrell prior that they fired jim trestle in no. may and suspended all those guys no look he took over a, an awkward situation no doubt did but luke fickle saying, did luke you go, go to dinner with luke fickle and he stiffed you with the bill or something no i have him on my list Stu. i'm just saying like you have luke fickle six spots ahead of james franklin so i do think we should i should take a step back and say that, you know, as I looked at your list, it's clear that, and I say it right at the top of mind every year, it's heavily weighted on recent performance last three years or so, you know, what Kirk Ferentz did 15 years ago has no bearing on this list and so on. And so what James Franklin did at Vanderbilt was phenomenal. It were, it's also pretty distant at this point. Now, just last year, he was at a point where he'd won 11 games, three of the past four years. 
There were starting to be some cracks, though, and they really came out this year. I mean, there's clearly been, um, yes, Michael Parsons, the running backs that all had an effect last year. But I don't think that was the difference between, uh, you know, own five start, four and five record and having like a top 10 team. You remember very vividly. Hold on. Hold on. You said your piece. Yeah, but I'm just saying they were 11 and two the year before. I might need John Hayes to mute you. Um, (laughs) They. Uh, you remember the speed this, it was, they just, th- this is how, why I was so high on James Franklin a couple years ago. They were right there with Ohio state from 2016 to 2018. He beat them the first year. And then the next two years they had them, they had Ohio state and they blew a big lead and they lost by one point. And after that game in 2018 is when he gave that speech about, you know, we're a good program. We need to become a great program. And what's happened since then They've fallen way behind Ohio State. They got completely outclassed by them. And by the way, you also got to look at recruiting. He had a terrible recruiting year last year. There's, there's just, they've had, you mentioned it in a podcast recently, like he's had some, some whiffs on his hires. Clearly his OC hire last year didn't work out. So I'm not saying the guy's terrible. I still got him as a top 20 coach. That's pretty good. Uh, I also know that I probably overreact from on one season to the next, but I do. I often, what I often find is I go in to do the next year's list. And I look back at last year's list and I wince and go, oof, why did I have this guy so high last year? I probably shouldn't have had him seventh in the first place. Uh, so no, I, I'll look, as I was going through the list, I at one point had him even lower, but I, I, I don't know, so came to my below, senses. You had him below PJ Fleck? Actually, PJ Fleck, I had out of the list and brought him back in. It's a fluid process. I don't know how yours works, but as I go through it, first I rank them. And then as I start writing the blurbs, I'm like, actually, I want to move this guy up or I want to move this guy down. So it's a process to get to the final list. But at the end of the day, I I, here, let me pull yours up real quick. I can't believe you have. Let um, me just let me just button up this one. I just can't believe you have James Franklin ahead of Ryan Day, frankly. Uh, I have Ryan Day where he is. Or ahead of Kirby Smart, who had his team in the national championship game a few years ago. Who, by the way, is nine and six against top 10 uh, coaches who's lost to Ed Ogeron by like three touchdowns each of the last two times he's played him. Well, oh, I have no problem with having Ed Ogeron ahead of Kirby Smart, but James Franklin? Yeah. I mean, look, you think – I would tell you what. If James Fra- – if Kirby Smart got a job anywhere near, like, Vandy, I, he's not doing as well. I'm sorry. You know? I and think Georgia, what he did Georgia at Vanderbilt – Georgia, you're the same guy who said, I wanted to see what they were like, you know, like what situation they took over. You think Georgia was in a comparable situation to Penn State? Penn no. State was in as bad as, I mean, those sanctions could have crippled them. You know, it's funny because I feel like a year ago I was having to defend having James Franklin number seven. And I thought, are you crazy? Or think about what he took over at Penn who State. You ha- the question is, who are you having to defend him to? And, and like, to me, there's some, some other stuff here. I get it. There's certain people who are not going to like James Franklin. This is not. And also, by the way, and this is, I think we should have probably said this earlier. This is not a list where I'd say, okay, I'm going to judge this on who are the guys that I would necessarily hire if I had a job open. Like to me, this is like, and again, I think this probably comes into a function of, for me, it's like how I rank uh, teams. It's like, what have you done? What is your body of work? Now you could make a case and say, okay, at what point does what they did seven years ago become irrelevant. I mean, right. and this is where like, and this is another, uh, we should move on, but um, you know, I still have Gary Patterson on my list. And one of the things that 
I think about with this is we come at it from different perspectives. Like obviously I've spent a lot of time around these programs because I was doing games. I probably have spent more time around TCU than is probably in that regard. TCU is one of them. Iowa's another. Um, Utah is another where I've seen them up close. And it's like, I probably have a different appreciation for them than if you're not around them or covering them like that. So when I see TCU, I'm like, all right, this is a program where um, he, he, like when I look at his body of work, they have, they finished TCU eight, eight times they finished in the top 10. To me, that is pretty amazing. Now I know they have fallen off. Now they have fallen off much more than in the last three years than Penn state had. Um, the question is, do you, and obviously you dismissed it because you didn't have him anywhere on your list at all. And I'm not finding, you know, I, I, to me that the Gary Patterson case is a little more um, apples and oranges than the James Franklin one. I just don't understand. I just don't get it. Gary Patterson. I can understand why you don't have him in your top 25. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I don't. I yeah. Don't. I mean, Gary Patterson used to be in my top five. Uh, he should go in the college football hall of fame one day for what he's done at TCU. He has a statue outside the stadium. Uh, but over the last five years, he had one 11 win season, but the other four, six and seven, seven and six, five and seven, six and four. So it's hard for me to say he's one of the, it's kind of like Mark D'Antonio. I mean, Mark D'Antonio had a phenomenal run at Michigan state, but by the end, nobody would say he was one of the 25 best coaches in the country. Uh, I, I'm rooting for Gary Patterson to come back out this year and win the big 12, do something to like get back to being the coach that um, that was making our top five. But I just can't, I can't justify it right now. Speaking of can't justify it. You have a guy in your top 25 who I haven't had in there for several years. And it was controversial that I didn't have him in there, but now I think people are like, you know, there's no, I've not heard from a single person that said, how come you don't have Jim Harbaugh on your list? I have heard from people that say, Bruce really still has Jim Harbaugh in his top 25. Yeah. I mean, look, again, this goes back to, cause I've moved him way down at one point. I think you would agree with me. He was the number three coach on this list when people, you know, if we were to have it, meaning it would have been da- uh, Saban, Urban, Jim Harbaugh when he got to Michigan, he has obviously under, you know, di- been a disappointment there. Um, the part where I had a hard to, where I was like, all right, just, try to be objective with this is if you look at what Michigan was before, I mean, they went seven years. They only had two top 25 seasons. Um, they've been in the top 25 for the five years going into last year before the pandemic, his record in the big 10, by the way, I mean, he's in the tougher side of the division, the tougher side of the conference. His record is actually very similar to Paul Chris's, uh when you, and they've been there same time, Paul Chris is at a place where it actually has been the guys before. I remember Gary Anderson was winning big when he was there. Obviously, Brett Bielema won a bunch of league championships when he was there. Um, the program was in very good shape. He's done a really good job. I'm not saying Paul Chris shouldn't be ahead of Jim Harbaugh, but I'm like, yeah, I get it. He's got He's been a disaster against uh, Ohio State. But do I look at it and go, and I am, I did give him credit for Stanford. I get it. You, you've completely moved on from that and I, I'm not going to take issue with it, but I can't like act like, okay, that didn't happen. 
um, you know, it's, if it's a deal breaker, um, I don't know. I had, I kept him in there. He's fallen down. He went, I think I, he was in my top 10, you know, when I first did it and then he was down to 18 last year and he's down to 22 and I could see, um, you know, it's, you know, it's like, there are guys here who clearly you wonder, are they losing their fastball? The guy behind him for me, Mike Leach is 23. Um, he had a really rough first year. It was a first year coach in a pandemic and he runs a system that takes a lot of time to get acclimated. I mean, I don't think you had Mike Leach in there and I wouldn't, you know, at this point I wouldn't take issue with it. Um, but he's done, he did a remarkable job at Washington state, which is the last place he was at. And he did a really remarkable job at Texas tech. So I don't know. It's just, I mean, look, you put Lane Kiffin in there. Lane Kiffin, for some reason, was not in your top 25 last year. And then he goes to Ole Miss, doesn't even have a winning record, and then you put him in the top 25. I didn't quite get that. Like, what uh, changed for you at Lane, with Lane Kiffin? I, well, I strongly considered putting him in last last year. By the way, nice change of topic there to get away from defending. No, I'm just giving it context. That, so we that can a get coach who had to take a 50% pay cut just to keep his job is, is still one of the you know, when you say 25, we top 25, that's top 20% of FBS. So I feel like to be considered one of the 47 and 18 and 32 and 12 in the big 10. And when he took over Stanford, they were the worst program in power. Stanford is irrelevant at this point. Like that was still college football itself was practically a different sport in 2010. Like the offenses people were running, like you got to adapt, right? Like Les Miles was a national championship coach and, and at the top no, of his I, profession, I it, and he never adapted. He is, I mean, it's not like he is a 500 coach in the Big Ten either. Well, I look, every coach. I mean, I, do you I, remember I, what Michigan was when he took over? They were not even close to the top 25. They were a top 25 team twice in seven years. Sure, but when he got hired, the expectation. If you had told me when he was hired, which was 2015, I would have said, oh, by the time you get to 2020, he'll have won couple big 10 championships contended in the playoff and they haven't, they haven't done that at all. And they haven't, you know, it may be fair or not fair. Like each coach at each school gets measured against the expectations of that job. And the expectation of the Michigan job is that you're going to compete with and beat Ohio state and win big 10 championships. And he's that's failed. Why he's not in my spectacularly top at that. And then, that's not why he's not in the top 20, but he, you know, before the pandemic year, which I think, you know, we got to be a little bit, um, I don't think it's a, it's just not a normal year before that year, they were in the top 15, three of his, three of his five years. Is it disappointing what he did at Ohio state? Yes. What he's done against them was disappointing. What he's done against Michigan state. No doubt. That's why he's not in my, my top 20. I but think again, that three times. And I have no, like, and the thing is I have like no allegiance to Jim Harbaugh or any other BS like that. I just think if you look at objectively, um, he's not, we're not, this is not Charlie Weiss there. This is not, you know, it's like. It wasn't, it's, it wasn't Charlie Weiss in 2016 when he was, I mean, it's amazing to think how different his whole perception would be if the JT Barrett fourth down is ruled short, right? And, and Michigan wins that game and probably wins the Big Ten and goes to the playoff. But it didn't happen. I think a big difference between the way you and I look at this exercise 
is that I'm I'm very conscious of trends. Like, how's a program trending? I think you just look at the numbers and go, well, top 25, three of the last four years or whatever. Because if you look like, at the- They've been trending the trend, downward since, I would say at least since, to me, the the, the, the moment uh, where it all changed for me, in turn, I was very high on Harbaugh, was when he took a 10 and one team to go play an Ohio State team that had the, I think one of the worst defenses in the country that year, Urban's last year. They were favored to win that game and they lost 62 to 39. And that was the moment where I was like, there's something but very if you wrong were here. doing trends, Stu, you would have gone off. You would have, you know, by your logic, you would have put Ed Ogeron on 18th, not eighth. Well, he just want he's only a year removed from the, I know you consider I mean, to be the best. He was a hard one though, because he's a year removed from the, well, many consider the greatest season a college football team has ever had. You could argue whether Alabama just topped that. I don't know. Um, to a, a terrible season that, you know, sometimes it's bad luck. That's not this. That was Ed Ogeron did a terrible coaching job last year in terms of who he hired. He admitted this week he didn't interview some of the people he hired last year. He didn't specify who. Um, and then uh, and this has been well reported by Brody Miller and others that um, he lost his locker room before the season even began. So that was a tough one. Like I knew I was going to drop him. How far am I going to drop him? He still is again, a year removed from winning the national championship. I'm not ready to say that after that one year that LSU is completely trending in the wrong direction. They could be right back there this year. For all we know, Michigan has been trending in the wrong direction for years. We only saw them play six games last year, but if that season had continued, they probably would have been at best three and six because they don't have the players. They just don't have the players. And so I can't justify having a guy who, um, what would it take for you? I can't justify having a guy who most people are surprised hasn't been fired yet and what put him and say he's one of the 25 to, best coaches in the country. What would it take for you to put him in the top 25? If he, if he goes, if they come back, year, yeah, if they come back next year and they are a big 10 championship contender, well, because championship everybody else on this two? list is, is, is done something like that recently. What did you say? If they were 10 and two, would that be it? I think it would depend on, on what kind of 10 and two it was, but probably because that's nobody could question that that's not a great season. Um, you brought up Lane Kiffin. Um, yes. Lane Kiffin was 500 last year. All right. But he, first of all, he won. He went to FA. You went to FA. You talk about, you know, judging somebody based on what the FA, you'd never been good at football at all. And he came in and won two conference championships in three years. So I did seriously consider putting him on there last year. He kind of just missed the cut. Let's say, okay, let's wait and see what happens when he goes back to the SEC. And in his first year back in the SEC, yeah, if you want to just look at the record, yeah, they weren't that great. But he came in and produced a top 10 national offense. They gave Alabama the, the they biggest. They the worst offense in the country, the worst defense in the country. Well, I think he inherited no, I mean, they were terrible at defense before he got there. I think that's what he inherited. Um they gave Saban and Alabama, you know, this Alabama team that went on to win the national championship. They had them, they couldn't stop uh, Ole Miss in that game. Uh, and then let's not forget, they ended it with a win in a bowl game over an Indiana team that was in the top 10. And Tom Allen was also the only, I think that was the only team they beat with a winning record last year. By the way, they lost to that old, that LSU team that you said was awful. They lost to them. Well, look, I'm not putting him top 10. I put him 20. No, but you put him in the top 25. I put him 24th right? because I think that at this point, he is un undisputably one of the top offensive coaches in college football. And we'll see, you know, where they go from here. But basically, 
it's it, he's he's done an interesting arc where he was a complete underachiever at USC, sanctions or not. He got fired in spectacular fashion. Then he goes to Alabama and he has a you know clear impact on that team and that offense. But he was an assistant coach. Then he goes and gets his first head coaching job since USC and does spectacularly. And then I and I, he had an immediate impact on Miss. I think. Uh, I, I think, I think, frankly, you could justify putting him higher, but that's what I'm debuting him at number 24. Um, a guy that I got asked about, I'd be curious if you got asked about, was Mac Brown, who I, I did. I got asked, uh, I had a dis- long discussion with our colleague, uh, Max Olson, about him. And honestly, he's one I thought about quite a bit. And, you know, it's a tough one because the way he ended at Texas was not disastrous, but it was not good. I mean, he had this amazing decade, 2000, 2009, and then it really backslid, right? And then he got to North Carolina. And honestly, I think this fits into the category of a little bit of the Harbaugh thing where it's like, what's the perception? I think you and I maybe use more so than me, but thought this was going to be a disaster or thought not less miles to Kansas disaster, but thought it was not going to go well. And it's gone well. Now he's 15 and 10, but it's like part of me looked at this and thought, you know, like I went back and looked and I was like, well, he's 15 and 10. And it's like, he's done a good job there. Did it change me so much where I'm like going to put him in? Um, you know, it's hard to keep this thing to top to 25. I think there's other guys that I thought hard on and I just didn't, do it you know so i was like i don't know i just didn't pull the trigger on it from 15 and 10 i guess this was the first year that i've been doing it where i i had 30 names that i thought should be in the five like that's not always the case i mean you're always going to leave somebody in the cutting room floor but you know i had mark stoops on my list last year he's not in it anymore i would have thought i i would have thought for sure before i started that i have that i would have billy napier in it that i'd have jamie chattel in it I don't have Mike Gundy in it. You could easily justify putting Mike Gundy in it and, and Leach dropped out. So um, Mac Brown uh, has done a great job since he's gotten to UNC. Nobody could dispute that, but I kind of like, let's wait one more year because it's only been two years. The first year they were basically what well, they were seven and six. Um, and it's not like I can then go back and say, and you know, yes, you won a national championship. It was in 2005. I mean, you have to go back to, that last one in 2009 for his last like success. I get why you didn't have this. Like to me, the way you do things is really off of the last year or the last two years. And you don't factor anything from five years out. I mean, well, I know I factor five years, but but I don't factor 15 years out. So that, that, that doesn't come into play at all. It's not a career achievement award. So if they come back next year and they build on what they did this year and, and it's clear that he's, that this is this is going to stay, then he'll be in there. Uh, or you so, know, it's let's not let's let's just like you said. How do we judge Ryan Day off two years? You know, it's hard to judge. Well, uh, Mac Brown off. You're really judging him off one year because the first year was a 500 season. Well, um, another name I got asked about a little bit, and you we actually haven't. It's one of the few in the back end of the list that we have in the same spot, which is Tom Allen. And somebody made the case. It was like you know he's kind of feels like a one-year wonder. They had a terrific season in 2020 in a pandemic, which I think you and I both agree he had a terrific season. Um, this person made the case. It was like, you know what? The vibe around them is better than it was under Kevin Wilson. 
But until 2020, it didn't feel that much like they weren't really winning. You know, if you look at what they were doing in the league, it's not like he has this great long body of work there. It's basically been he had a pretty good year in 2019 and a terrific year in 2020. But before that, it wasn't that. And I kind of, you know, I listened to it and I was like, you know what, I'm still going to have him here. I could understand like, look, like you, I, I feel like it's a lot more than 25 guys. I ended up going with him there just because, um, like I said about the Pattersons and the, you know, Utah and, and uh, a few other programs, that's a program when I've been around it in person, I've been impressed with how hard they play. And it's, you know, this is a subjective list and that factored into it a little bit or a lot. Um, I mean, how confident were you with Tom Allen at 25, given what you just said about, you know, Mark Stoops and Jay pretty much Gatto. that, that we've, we've arrived at the one thing we agree on exactly. Like I want to give him credit. It's a, Indiana football hasn't been this good in a long, long time. And I want to give him credit for that. But I also am a little nervous that they're going to come back to earth here soon. No, I, I agree. And, and like it with everything on this list too, it's very fluid. I don't think any of us, would have thought we have some of the names that are ended up on here and the positions they are. And uh, I think that's one of the, one of the fun things about doing this thing is you kind of get to take a temperature of where things are. Obviously we go about it with different rationale. I think I look at more of a longer body of work and obviously Stu is more into the last, you know, snippet of it. But um, as always, send us your questions and your feedback, which we've gotten some of in, into this already, but uh, to the audible pod at gmail.com. And also if you want to join the conversation, subscribe to the athletic, as Stu mentioned earlier, you can get it. If you're a new subscriber for the ridiculously low rate of $1 a month. So you can join the conversation there and get all the great content and all of our terrific podcasts and uh, columnists and reporters on all sports. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.